Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with Eileen Marcus. She is the author of Managing Annoying People and runs Align Workspace. She helps leaders and founders use innovation to attract and keep great talent. With over 32 years in executive positions managing high-stakes teams at multi-million dollar organizations, from turning around a 10,000-person social welfare agency to traveling the country for tech stars, a lead seed accelerator. She facilitates groups and entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses as well. Eileen has faced her own emotions surviving a rare cancer at 39, a financially devastating divorce, and public humiliation, being fired when her boss was sent to prison for embezzlement. She knows firsthand that managing emotions matter most. Enjoy this interview. I'm very well. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for taking a minute out today. Oh, so excited. Love to talk. Absolutely. So do I. So before we get into your life and your body of work, I want to know the last three years has been quite a thing with COVID. How did you survive that time period, and how has it subsequently changed the way that not only you live your life, but the way that you conduct business now? Well, I was one of those people that thrived in COVID. I really loved being potted in my house and getting time to do all those projects I never had time to do. I have been a Zoom person forever, working in coaching um, internationally and nationally, so I was very used to Zoom and FaceTiming and being with people on um, electronic devices. So for me, it really helped me to actually make the path quite narrow because since you couldn't attend two meetings at once and you couldn't be two places at once, I had to make choices about where I was and who I was going to be with. And that really helped me to hone in and define who I am and who I want to spend my time with. So for me, it really helped to bring me to a new business model. Yeah, and I hear that a lot. You know, there's there was a lot of people that benefited from this time. There was overwhelming silver linings, you know, not to diminish what was going on, but you know, just from a a human perspective, how it affected people's business and the way they conducted it. So let's get a better handle on what you do business-wise. So I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day, and one of the kids is going to look up at you and say, what do you do for a living? How would you answer them? I help people work together. You know when your friend Charlie takes your lunchbox and you're not happy about it and then you have a fight and other people get involved and then you have to go home and talk to your parents and your teacher about it. I help you not get into those situations and learn how to get out of them so that you get what you want. So when you were in the third grade, what was your dream when you grew up? What did you want to be? Oh, when I was in the third grade, I think I wanted to be a princess. No, I don't know. You know, when I was in the (laughs) third grade, um, you know, I mean, look, we barely had TV then. So, uh, yeah, I I just, uh, I wanted to get my own room. I wanted to move out of the room with my sister, you know. My world was very small then. I came from, you know, a house that was very chaotic and busy and, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of face time there, so I was always looking to be alone and to figure out who I was. So, I, I you know, but, I, but if I wanted one thing, it was probably to be the mayor of the house. I always wanted to be in charge. So I guess that's my next question. You know, where were you born and raised, and kind of how did some of these seeds get put in you um, early on in your life to be, become who you are? You know, I've really, really been digging into this, and that is one of the gifts of COVID, to really look at who you are and what you like to do and how you got there. It's also one of the gifts of being over 
60, right? We start to figure out, like, these are my patterns, whether I like them or not. So how am I going to amplify them in, instead of running from them? So um, I uh, I always felt invisible, you know? I grew up in a house with a lot of people. I would say things. I had good ideas. I was always known as the bully. So me and my sisters, I was in Long Island, you know? These were the parents who were proud to move out from depression era and parents and Holocaust survivors. So there's a lot of generational trauma and messages being sent to us. And I grew up in the generation where Barbie only made like three things, and I grew up with four girls, and a big day would be spent making our Barbie house in the playroom, everyone scouring the house for different materials for my father's workbench or my mother's chest. She was a teacher. And then we'd build our houses. And I always wanted to build a bigger house, a better house. I intuitively took the best materials and my sisters would come to me and barter and trade with me. And then they'd go complain to my mother and say, Eileen took the best materials. Eileen wants to do this. Eileen is the boss. And my mother would say, wait till your father gets home, you know, yeah, that old thing. And then when my father got home, it was, yes, Eileen's the bully, three against one, well, four against one or six against one, how many were in the house. And um, I think if I had known those words then, I would have known I was always a manager, a leader, an entrepreneur. I had a different vision. I knew how to get people there, and I knew how to build things, literally, the Barbie houses, but how to organize steps to get something accomplished. So I wish I had those words when I was young, but it was I was born with it. You know, it's interesting. My dad, you know, sometimes people wonder with my last name how I ended up in Kansas City, and my dad was born in Brooklyn and raised in uh, uh, Massapequa at Long Island. No way. I was Massapequa too, 11758. That's hysterical. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's my, my aunt Colleen still lives there, and I always remember that zip code. Yeah, my dad was – he wanted out. I don't know what was going on at that time, but he, that's why we ended up in Kansas City. He joined the Air Force to see the world, got stationed out here at Richards Cabauer, but he wanted out badly. It was – just yeah. one of those things where, you know, he wanted his own reality. No, I, 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 I resonate with that. You know, I was one of those people, I mean, you know, growing up in Long Island, especially then on the LIRR, which the kids now call the LIR, right? You were an hour, 40 minutes out of the city, and they were different worlds. And I always wanted that other world, always, always, always. So you're lucky. They don't have good barbecue, not to generalize in Long Island, but they do in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we just – Got off the euphoria of winning the Super Bowl, so we had a big parade yesterday. This yeah. show has been crazy for a couple of weeks, but um, which I wish my dad passed in '08. I I so wish uh, that he would have been able to experience just one of these because he used to sit in that easy chair on Sundays and he would just <laughs> cut that TV out, you know, because right. they just were notorious for not not winning. They'd get close and lose, and um, so anyway, um, but yeah. I'm sure somewhere it's a great memory there, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm sure somewhere in the ether he was there, sprayed, and he saw it all happen. So mm -hmm. it's all good. Um, so let me – to get to kind of another level and core of who you are, who has been kind of a role model or a hero for you in your life? No, that's a really good question because I think that's something that, um, you know, I, I like people who make nothing out of something. So you look at people like Oprah who came from nothing and had enough self-confidence in themselves to believe in what they did and really create something. I um, I know your other hat is, is jazz, but I'm really drawn to musicians. I'm really drawn to people who can put, you know, in such short, concise ways words that sting or resonate. 
So I think, you know, I, I now we'll get into it. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and founders, and that's because I love people that can create things, that can see what needs to be. So in that way, you know, maybe some of my biggest mentors was like Floyd because everyone else would focus on the physical body or the planet, and he focused on what's going on inside there, how are all these choices being made. So anyone who builds, sees something different, starts something from nothing, and, you know, it's kind of um, – snaked throughout my life, you know, I'm just interested in different people and different concepts and different thoughts and keep building on them, building on them. So if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? It would probably be Miranda Lampert, i got to tell you, the country singer. I mean, named, you know, one of the top most influential people in the world. She's a young girl. She has a handle on life. She has a way of talking about life that rich, poor, black, white, green, yellow, you know, country, city, everyone relates to. Uh, she is just like the ultimate convener, and yet she is a little, I don't want to say snarky, but, you know, she definitely tosses it out there a bit and gets you thinking, right, and, and challenges your beliefs. So I think I'm a Miranda. Randall Lampert fan. That's it. That's the first time I've heard that answer. That's that's interesting. Um, so you know, someone that's obviously highly driven and you know helping other people, you obviously have to parlay that out and take into taking care of yourself. How do you balance that in your life, where you take care of yourself, but you give those that you're helping what they need to change their lives? Yes, that is something, you know, everybody talks about work-life balance, and I am one of those people who believes it's almost impossible, especially if you are actually, you know, running a large corporation, managing a lot of people, or you're running a small corporation, or you're a mother and you're running a house. Anyone with a multitude of roles and responsibilities has a really hard time in balancing those. And I think, you know, for me, what I found, it's about nurturing my soul, that what I have to realize what feeds me. I love to talk. I love to speak. I love to meet people. But I have learned that at the corest of my core, I'm an introvert. I need that time, like I said, you know, as a kid, running away from my sister, just wanting my own room, to be with myself and regenerate by myself. So I think it's really a balance of not what works for everyone, what works for you and how do you do it. I know people that commute and love it because that time gives them the time they need to listen to the books they want, to think, to make the calls. I know people that don't want to commute, but for me, it's really been a lesson to put that oxygen mask, I love that you know, analogy everyone uses, put that oxygen mask on me first so that I can breathe life into everyone else. And it really comes from, you know, in the morning I have a spiritual routine, I have a meditation routine, and, you know, my newest trick is I take a bath or a shower in the morning because isn't that exciting? Instead of waiting till the end of the day to get de-stressed and get all that off of me, I get it on. You know, I start with my armor on in the morning. And frankly, if I want to take another bath at night, why not, right? So I think it's a it's one of the hardest things we do. I call it um, managing our own behavior. We're very good at managing others. We're very good at we pick one piece self-care or we pick, you know, our hobbies and we pick this. But putting it all together in a package is a lifelong lesson, I believe. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, and I'm curious to kind of get a little bit more into the essence of what drives you. You know, every day we wake up, we have things that we want to do. We have an agenda we're looking forward to. But what is ultimately the motivator for you every day to get through the day and to, and to accomplish what you want to get done? Yeah, you know, I um, 
I have lived a very interesting life. I've been at a lot of places. I, you know, grew up in an abusive house. Um, I was there at 9-11. I, I just have seen a lot. I, was there, I watched the Sullenberger plane go down the Hudson. I was driving up the West Side Highway. I have just been at the intersection of a lot of events and um, a lot of starts of businesses, a lot of starts of public administrations. So for me, I have learned a lot of lessons, and I had to learn them the hard way. I didn't have parents that taught me. I didn't have mentors that could always be trust. I didn't have a lot of those things. So for me, it's about taking what I've lived, distilling it, and helping others back to that third grader to play nice with each other, to get what they want, to figure out how to get out of situations that they, you know, that could really bring them down and change them instead of lifting them up and letting them see who they are. So it's really about sharing what I've lived and learned. Um, there's no way to give anybody shortcuts, but there are ways to give them food and different ideas to think about, food for thought to think about. So I'm really driven by helping others, you know, get out of their hole and, and get unstuck. And, and you know the story. When I lift you, it lifts me. We lift each other. Everybody gets lifted. So I really just love um, watching people fly. I love it. So when you get to the end of the proverbial day, how do you look back and quantify that day and say that was a good day? You know, I've been asked this question a lot lately, and I think it's a good day when I, um, you know, obviously for me, unexpected things crop up and they come in with ease and confidence. So people I didn't expect to hear from, questions I didn't expect to ask, you know, different obstacles. But it all it's all about, like, am I proud of how I handled it? Am I proud of what I offered? Did I show up in a way that was willing to be kind? And I think kindness is, you know, the most underrated super ability there is. Was I kind to others? And basically, you know, did I not leave the earth? a worse place off than what I found it. Did I help to make the world a little better today just by being in it, smiling, making someone's day, helping someone? So I do do a nightly inventory. That is part of my self-care about where I could have been kinder, where I could have had more patience, where I could have listened more. And um, I think it's just really important to dig in every day to, you know, being a little kinder, a little gentler, a little more loving. So what are you ultimately the proudest of in your life? When you lean back and look at everything that you've done and you've talked about all these interesting events of magnanimous and, and tragedy and just things in between, what is it that you're the proudest of? You know, I'm really proud of the book I wrote, not because I'm stumping it, so I won't even mention it, but it takes a lot of effort to write a book, <laughs> to think about, like, who you are, what you want to say, how you want to say it, how you want the audience to feel, and to show up for yourself. Um, I think I'm really proudest of some of these things that really, really um, go under the radar screen. I was uh, I live in a little rural town in Massachusetts now, and I was at the dog park a few weeks ago, and I'm talking to this woman who had just moved up here. I've been up here about eight years now, who just moved up from New York City where I spent most of my life, and she says, oh, my last job was at the Welfare Reform Network. And I looked at her and I said, I created that work. I started it. So, and she looked and goes, you really my God, I've heard about you, I've been, but we never met. And there we were meeting at a dog park. And I have, you know, I can't find one thing. I'm so proud of these seeds I planted and, and, and sowed that have really in a certain way, I don't want to say changed, but have set a course for organizations or people and impacted people's lives. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, 
you know, I, I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of that the work I did in community building and community development and helping people find their own financial um freedom, which I think is the greatest gift we can give each other, is 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 growing and working and still out there. You know, it's meeting the test of time. So I you know, I, I could point to I'm proud that I have a fully functioning twenty eight year old, but you know, I mean I, I, I'm so glad I do, but it, it's just it's the totality of it all that like despite all of my problems, my challenges, my obstacles, I have actually added to the world. So if you had a dream tonight and you ran into the 20-year-old version of yourself and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've gained, the roads you've been down, things you've overcome, what would you tell your younger version? I would tell her, find out who you are and don't please anybody else. Please yourself. You know, just dig into who you are and amplify it. Dig into who you are. I spent too much of my life pleasing other people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So everyone out there has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your readers, clients, but you ultimately live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I am an engaging, flawed, interesting, crazy, in the right direction woman, you know, hopefully with a little grace and um, really bringing fun to every situation. I I think I am... um, you know, I'm stepping into Eileen, I don't know, it's probably 4.0, but let's call it 2.0. I'm stepping into, I got things to share, and I think they should be shared. Because, like I said, I've learned a lot, and I have a, you know, I, I have a unique perspective, and I've been doing it on a small scale for a long time, and it is time to elevate, you know. So I think I'm someone who has some value to contribute, and should and is part of the dialogue. So, Eileen, if anyone out there wants to get your book, they want to hire you, learn more about you and your life, anything related to you, where do they go? They go to Managing Annoying People, and a big orange book will pop up, and they'll say, Eileen Marcus, author. Um, My website is I Aligned Workplace. I like to align your mission, vision, resources, so A-L-I-G-N-E-D-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E.com. But you Google Managing Annoying People and you will find me. And believe me, if you need me, I'm out there. And, of course, on Amazon. And that's it. That's where I am. I love it. And you're here, too. Eileen, thank you for being here, opening up, giving us your story. Thank I appreciate you. it. Good luck with everything. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. I appreciate you, too. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <music>